It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I was wrong. Yeah, absolutely on some of it. Let's talk about this Badgers basketball team. Why are they better than I thought they would be? All that and more on Locked On Badgers. Let's go. You are Locked On Badgers, your daily podcast on the Wisconsin Badgers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Badger fans? Welcome to Locked On Badgers. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. I really appreciate it. Uh, I say it a lot. I mean it a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in to everything we have going on for helping us build this community. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get your stay at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Uh, let's talk about it. Uh, let Before the season, I thought this Badgers basketball team would be better than they were last year for sure. Uh, my prediction was fourth in the Big Ten. I think I had them behind definitely Illinois, Purdue. Um, I don't know who else I had them behind. Probably Michigan State. I think those are my top three. I had Wisconsin fourth. So I thought they would be a solid tournament team. I thought they'd have a good year. They're better than I thought they were. Uh, better than a lot of people thought they would be. So let's talk about why. Like, why <clears throat> Why did I misread this? Why was I wrong? Why, why were a lot of us wrong? Let us know in the comments what you were wrong about on this team, and we'll always wrap up and talk about it. You know what's fascinating to me, Badger fans? This is fascinating to me. Two of the things I was most wrong about with this team, I mean, literally, two of the things I was 180 degrees in the wrong direction. Like, I was crazy wrong about. I mean, I was insanely off on. Haven't impacted the team at all. Uh, the first one was I was I was all aboard Gus Yaldin coming in right away, uh, being a backup five. I thought he would play 10, 12 minutes a game. I thought he would be kind of the physical backup five. Now, I thought that would fluctuate a little bit. Like some games, it might be six, seven, eight. But I thought he'd be solidly in that top eight. I thought he was the backup five. He's one of the reasons why I was like, eh, I think they're okay this year with front court depth because I think Yaldin is going to give them something. And this isn't all a skill thing with Yaldin. Like he got hurt. There was some off the court stuff that was reported. Um, you know, there's some things that had to work out, probably some maturity stuff. But I was completely wrong. I thought he would come in, he'd be the backup five. That didn't happen. And then the other thing I was completely off about that really hasn't impacted the team that much is I felt like this year would be Connor Asijin taking a step up from what he did last year, right? Kind of a, a progressional path forward towards uh, the upper ceiling of the type of player I thought he could be. I thought he'd be a little bigger, stronger, better on the defensive end. I thought there would be a little bit more off the bounce game with him where he could use that three-pointer to draw people out, dribble by him, and create off the dribble. I thought they would use him more. I was so wrong on both these things, and it feels like it hasn't mattered, which is crazy. Now, inversely, you could say, well, geez, what if you were right on one or two of those? How good would this team be if Yeldon was able to come in and be that backup five that can be a little more bruising, and Connor took a step up? Like, uh, honestly, if, if those two things had happened with everything else that's gone on, I mean, this is a Final Four team. I, I, it is what it is, period. Like, you'd you'd be, like, nine deep then. And uh, But they didn't have so it's dead wrong on those. But crazily, they didn't really impact the team for a couple reasons. Um, they didn't impact it because Nolan Winter was able to come in, and he was kind of able to come in be kind of that backup five that I thought Gus Yall would be. And then you have Blackwell coming in, who has really taken up some of the slack that I was expecting from a siege. And so let's get into the other things I was I was completely wrong on. 
the first one is John Blackwell. I think that's where you have to start. Now, I actually wasn't the low guy on John Blackwell. I certainly was didn't expect this, uh, but I had said coming into the year, this is a sleeper guy in this class. People are overlooking him. He's better than people think. I said he was going to play, I, 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 but I did not expect this at all. He came. He. I did not expect a guy to come in and look like a, a junior uh, to be physically ready to step in and play incredibly intelligent basketball right away, become the best player off the bench right away. I was way off on what he could do this year. I thought it would be kind of a spot minute thing. He would play. Some games he would play 15, 20 minutes. Some games he would play like two minutes. Um, and he'd be a good rotational guy. He's much more than that. Like when you go under the hood with John Blackwell, the numbers are astounding for, for a freshman. You know, he's second on the team in defensive rebounding percentage. So the the percentage of rebounds that are available from a defensive side, he's second on the team. When he's on the court, John Blackwell grabs almost 20% of the team's defensive rebounds as a 6'4 freshman. That's Johnny Davis stuff. Like, if we're just being honest, Johnny Davis, I think his sophomore year was in the low 20 percentile. The low 20% of defense rebounding, uh, Blackwell's at 19.8. 19.8 percentage uh, for defense rebounding is second on the team behind Stephen Crowell among regulars. And it's not that far behind Stephen Crowell. So uh, on the defensive glass, he's rebounding at almost the same rate as our our upperclassman seven-foot center. That's insane stuff for a 6'4 freshman. I mean, that, that just doesn't happen in the Big Ten. The other thing I'd give you is true shooting percentage, which – kind of factors in free throws, three-pointers, two-pointers. It's it's a better overall look holistically at how somebody shoots. Among everybody on the team, he's fourth on the team in true shooting percentage. That's that's incredible for a freshman. And it's even more impressive when you look at the people ahead of him, right? Carter Gilmore's ahead of him because all Carter Gilmore shoots are layups and dunks. Um, Stephen Crowell's ahead of him. Stephen Crowell's a center. They, they typically do really well with true shooting percentage because, again, a lot of their shots are point-blank shots. And then Max Klesman just inched ahead of him based on the last two games where he's had a heater. I mean, Blackwell's ahead of Wall. He's ahead of Hepburn. He's ahead of Connor. He's ahead of Winter. Like, he's had a tremendous year. I, I completely missed how good he would be this year. Um, AJ Storr is another one I was off on. Uh, no, I thought AJ Storr would be really important this year. I thought he would bring a ton of athleticism. I thought he'd be more of a defensive lengthy wing. I thought he'd be a transition scorer and like a pick and pop shooter. Like, a, he's open. He's going to bang threes. He's got more of an all-around game than I gave him credit for. I, some of the mid-range shots he's taken over defenders, really tough stuff. Some of the mid-range post stuff, um, being able to drive in, his ability to shoot from the line. I thought that we would get that with, with Storr. I thought he would help us there. Um, but, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't in tune with the all-around game that he would bring to Madison. So that's another one. When you're looking at why is this team better, it's because Blackwell is way better than I thought he would be. It's because Storr is more of an all-around game. And then the other one I'll talk about is the depth on the team. Now, I'm still not, if we're being honest, if you listen to the show a lot, I, I kind of knock heads with people who are telling me I'm way off on this one. Uh, I don't think I was way off. I still don't think this is a really deep team, but it's definitely better than I thought it was, right? And listen, you got to own your bad takes. You got to own it when you're wrong, because otherwise, what's the point? You know, like if you're never accountable today, you're never going to learn anything. And B, people are going to stop taking you seriously. Yeah, like the depth on this team is definitely better than I thought it would be. And that's because of Blackwell. That's because Kamari McGee is having kind of a bounce back year. Now, not playing a ton of minutes, but when he's in there, he's much more impactful. That's because Nolan Winter was able to step in into those Gussie Alden minutes. So you're getting impacts from three, four players off the bench that can at least come in and in a tight game be serviceable players. So it's definitely deeper than I thought it would be. So the combination of John Blackwell, AJ Storr's all-around game, and the depth, I think are the biggest things I missed on. 
Now, if you want to talk about something, I do want to point out a couple of things that we talked about before the year that have come true. One of the things I, and I said this a lot last year with Chucky Hepburn, I thought he was unfairly criticized at times because he was forced to score more. That's not really his role. And I said in the off season, wait until you see what he does with more weapons around him, right? You're going to see a better version of Chucky Hepburn's game. I think we've completely seen that. In fact, there's, there's parts of me where I'm like, man, you got to shoot a little bit more, right? Like I could use you being a tick more aggressive, but we've definitely seen the evolution of Hepburn's game. And now he's in kind of an ecosystem that fits him, right? He's, he's supposed to be the guy in a captain's chair directing everything. He's not supposed to be the guy. He's not supposed to be the engine of that, that ship. He's supposed to be the captain driving it. And you're seeing that come true this year in the manifestation of really his all around game. So I think we were pretty dead on with that one. And the other one is I talked about Tyler wall and some people were really frustrated when he came back. And I said, well, look at him two years ago, Tyler wall with the really high usage rate can struggle a little bit. Tyler wall with more weapons around him is going to be a great part of this team. So I think those things were reasons for optimism that were correct. And then you factor that in with the other things that I missed on with what Blackwell is going to bring, what store brought the improved depth. You got a team that can make a run and I'm here for it. I'm excited for it. Badger fans, we should be excited for it. These are the favorite kinds of teams, right? I talked about it on the reaction show against Northwestern, the teams that you don't really see coming that, that exceed the ceiling you thought they had. These are your favorite teams because they surprise you and you get invested in it. It's, it's one thing to be a Yankees fan and just expect your team to win. And then when they win, it's great. Obviously I'm not a Yankees fan, so I don't know that feeling, but to have the team surprise you and smash through the ceiling in your head you set for them, those are, those become your favorite teams. So we got to see how this thing ends. It's got a long ways to go, but they're definitely better than I thought they were, and I was wrong on them. All right, coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about Jos- Josiah Galvin. Back in the portal, what does it mean for the linebacker room? Is this the cost of getting Tackett Curtis? We're going to talk about that next on Lockdown Badgers, but first a quick break for friends of the show over at FanDuel. FanDuel remains the number one source for all your sports betting needs. Um, and right now, again, new customers, we talked about this. There is a great deal to be had. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 money line bet. That's $150 guaranteed with a $5 money line bet, win or lose. And that's great money. And the playoffs are coming up. Packer fans, congratulations. You're probably watching this after the Packers game. If you're if you're on here, a lot of you are Packer fans. Demolish the Cowboys, Packers, Niners next weekend. Y'all know where my loyalties are. Uh, with that $150 in bonus bets, you can use that on the Packers game. Early lines I've seen are nine and a half for the Niners. So this is a great time to get on FanDuel. If you want to enjoy some NFL playoff action, do it responsibly. But they have the best interface, the best support system, and the best payout system for all your betting needs. Parlay spreads, teasers, futures, NFL playoffs are here. Get into the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash on today. Get into the action. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You can do it responsibly, but it is the best place to do it. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on, so find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Let's keep talking here. Let's, let's talk a little Josiah Galvin. And Josiah Galvin, we hardly knew ye. Um, you know, the the linebacker transfer came out of the University of Northern Iowa, came in earlier this portal season, like hasn't 
you know, came in earlier this year, was one of the early linebackers in this slew of linebackers that committed to Wisconsin in the portal, six of them in total. He is decommitted. I can you even decommit if he never even really committed, but he has re-entered the portal. He's heading to Stanford. He was barely here. What do we make of all this? I, I think there's some real fascinating stuff going on here with the portal, with, with recruiting, with college football in general. Um, one of the things I've talked about a lot on the show with all the linebackers coming in, I've always said, like, this isn't Pokemon. You can't collect them all, right? You, you don't get every linebacker on the portal without some roster ramifications. And this is what this is what it is. It's fine, too. It's also fine, right? I think this is the cost of doing business. It's the cost of getting Tackett Curtis. Like, you get another guy who's going to play in the middle. Josiah Galvin was – him and Josiah Galvin are similar type guys in some ways, playing similar type positions with similar type eligibility. Right. And he I'm sure he saw Tackett Curtis come in and well, if you getting that dude, where am I going to play? Like it's a business decision on both ends. Right. Um, he made a business decision to leave northern Iowa to come to Wisconsin to up his stock. And now he's making another business decision saying, I'm not going to there's too many linebackers here. I'm going to go somewhere I can play more. And by the way, a lot of fans hate that. A lot of fans give players shade for that. They give players a lot of shade for stay and compete. You know, if, if you're afraid of competition, well, we don't want you anyway. I always push back on that a little bit, right? Like just imagine in a professional setting, like you're, let's say you're at a company where you want to be a manager or you want to climb the ladder, right? And there's several other people competing for that same manager's job, or you can go to company B and they're offering you a manager's job, right? You want, yes, you do want people who want to compete, but you also got to understand that players only have a very limited window to play college football. And if their goal is to make it to the NFL, going somewhere where there's not as much competition for spots. It's not a, sometimes it's not being afraid of competition. Sometimes it's just a smarter business decision, right? Every situation's different. Every player is different, but I'm never going to throw shade at a player who, who sees too much competition as spot and says, I can go here and play right away. It's a business decision. And from the Wisconsin football standpoint, it's a business decision. They had to know bringing in attack at Curtis after you brought in five other linebackers and you still have an Allegro on the roster. You still have some other guys on the roster that you're invested in. You're going to upset the apple cart a little bit. What's fascinating to me with this is we're seeing in the same cycle, you're over recruiting over players that you've acquired, right? We, we talk a lot of, we used to talk a lot in the high school cycles about, you know, if you don't play as a redshirt freshman, as a redshirt sophomore, you know, the coaching staff might recruit over you. They might bring someone in and that someone's going to take your spot on the depth chart. And suddenly you're a redshirt junior and you haven't played. It's fascinating that we're seeing in the same transfer portal cycle players being recruited over. That just shows you where college football's at right now. I don't think this coaches staff did anything wrong. I don't think Josiah Galvin did anything wrong. Um, it just so happened a player that they liked a lot came available after Josiah Galvin committed, and they got him. And this is the domino effect of that. Josiah Galvin goes on. Um, I, I harbor no ill will. I have no issues with it. I hope he crushes it. Um, I, and quite frankly, if the cost of getting Tackett Curtis – was potentially, and I'm not saying that's a one for one. Like I'm not in the locker room, obviously. I haven't talked to Josiah Galvin, but it seems like the timing's kind of it lines up right, and it certainly had to play into the decision making. If the cost of getting Tackett Curtis, though, who again is one year removed from being one of the crown jewels in last year's classes, if the cost of that is losing Jos Josiah Galvin, that's a business decision you got to make, right? And that's where we're at in college football. So it's super interesting to me. Um, but I think you got to do it. And it's it's we're going to see more of that, by the way. We're going to see more and more of that as college football continues to march along this trajectory that, uh, quite frankly, we're 
or just getting used to it, right? Where it's going to be more and more of, of this, a player commits and leaves and then someone else comes in and then two people will leave and you'll get somebody else. It's just the world we're living in. All right, let's get some of your comments and some of your thoughts. We got a bunch of yours on here that I want to talk about. Um, let's start with this one here. This is from Commandant talking about the Northwestern game said, not a pretty game for sure, but a win is a win. And this is the kind of game this team would have lost last year. I love that last part of that comment because I don't know if this team would have lost that game last year, but this t- the team last year won a one by nine, right? If if they had won last year, let me let me tell you the script of how last year's game would have gone. In my opinion, um, it would have came right down to the end. It would have come down to free throws, and Wisconsin probably would have missed the front end of two situations, and they would have lost seventy to sixty eight, right? Or sixty four to sixty two, or they would have won sixty five to sixty four. My point is, it would have been a close coin toss game. This year's team has the ability to extend leads, to, to push it a little bit. And yeah, like, Commandant's right. It wasn't the prettiest game. And again, I've talked about it. It wasn't a, an A-plus game for the Badgers. That's okay. You got to be able to you got to be able to win when you play a B-plus game too, a B-minus game. But yeah, last year's team, it would have been much closer. It would have came down to the wire. And I think it's really impressive that this year's team can kind of put teams away a little bit, close the door, create some space. I think it's a great comment from the Commandant. This is a Mark F. Guard is a great coach. Wisconsin is fortunate to have him. It's it's so interesting to me. And I, I've, I've, I've been more on the guard is a good coach bandwagon for a while. There's things, excuse me, there's still things he does that frustrate me a little bit. But what he's done just this year is incredibly impressive. This has been one of the hardest schedules in the country. He's done it while integrating AJ Store, bringing in a new freshman off the bench, integrating him. Um, dealing with a struggling Connor Seijin was who, who was a huge part of his team last year, a new role with Chucky Hepburn, you know, like this has been an incredible coaching job from Greg Gard so far this year, the new pieces he's gotten, he's meshed them in. He's managed a locker room that, you know, there, there could easily be some issues there with players not playing as much as they wanted with transfers coming in with Connor struggling with Gus Yaldin, not playing. Um, he's meshed in new players. They're, they're running some interesting stuff offensively. Uh, some of the continuity pick and roll stuff, I think is really nice. They're, they're getting some more transition, even secondary transition buckets. Uh, he's done a great job. Now, is he a perfect coach? No, he's not. There's like three of those. He, he's not Bo Ryan. He's never going to be Bo Ryan. But yeah, I think Wisconsin is fortunate to have him. And the recruiting's been getting better. Like, it's the last couple cycles have been ticking up. So I think that was always one of the biggest frustrations, right, was on the recruiting side. If that continues to get better, I'm telling you, next year's team could be, boy, if, if if you can find a way to replace Tyler Wall, which, listen, that's not an easy task, but they're going to go to the portal to do that. Next year's team could be friggin' dynamic with, I think, free tag is going to play right away, and you get this crop of younger players that's going to develop. Could be dangerous next year. This is from Kerr. Oh, he, yeah, this is next comment. Next year's team could be even better if players stick around. Guard seems to be hitting a little better rate on the recruiting trail. Agree and agree. I, I didn't even mean to, like, talk about your comment before I put it up there. I 100% agree. I think everybody on the roster is going to stick around for the most part. Um, certainly there's going to be questions about a guy like Connor Siege, and there's going to be questions about guys that are further down the bench. But I think just about everybody's going to be here next year. You're going to add in a free tag, and they're going to hit the portal again. Um, next year's team could be a lot of fun. And I agree with you. The the recruiting has been a, a little better. Now it has to continue getting better. Like you look at some of the, the misses we've had, a, a Jackson McAndrew. That was a tough miss. That was a player that it would have been – that would have been a nice one to close. Karen Knibble, those are tough to close, but he's got to close them eventually. But, yeah, the recruiting has been getting better. I agree. 
right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to finish this out with the rest of your comments, including what could Wohler and Tackett look like on the court at the same time. Should Conor Sejan have gotten more minutes? Um, last game, only played three. Are we overhyping the new offensive line coach? A bunch of comments coming up on Lockdown Badgers. But first, a quick break for friends of the show over at Jace Medical. I've talked a lot about Jace Medical, and, and to me, it's about being a father, right? It's about knowing that's why I have spare batteries. That's why I have uh, dehydrated food in the basement. I've got all those things. That's why I have, you know, all these other kind of survival things. I have the, the drinking straw, right, that you can drink, and it filters the water for you. It's about being prepared and being empowered to take care of your family. I have a Jace case. You get uh, five-plus uh, medications that can treat over 50-plus infections, and it's as simple as that. You get the case, you get instructions, you get um, detailed information to know how to use them. And you can always contact the pharmacy and, and learn a little bit more about what you need to do with storms, uh, shortages, pandemics, uh, supply chain issues. Just you want to be prepared. You want to be empowered to care for your family. And that's why Jace Medical is simple. You go online, you fill out a form, you get the prescription, life-saving medications to your door. They give you peace of mind that you have access to medication in an emergency for you and your family. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using our code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Be empowered to take care of your family. Be empowered to take care of yourself. Um, and don't stress as much with all the craziness in the world. Get the Jace case. Put it in a cabinet. Worry less. Enjoy more. That's what I have. My, that's why I have my Jace case. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's let's talk about um, some more comments. Let's just get into more of your thoughts. I love doing these types of shows where we just throw some of what you have going on and some of your thoughts on these these different topics up. Um, this one is from Will Hanna. Connor Siegen getting a whopping three minutes of play made no sense. This is the Northwestern game. He scored five points in that minuscule amount of playing time. He was playing hard, and his defense was not a problem. Yeah, I got to be honest, Will. I, I thought he played more than three minutes until you you brought this up. I, I thought he did get a little more burn than that. And he did get five. He got, you know, three, up, that quick three off the pin down. And then he had that really nice drive where he kind of contorted his body, hit hit the bucket on the other side. Um, I will tell you, he, he should probably work on that offhand. And then he doesn't have to contort his body as much. He can just finish with the offhand. But that's that's an offseason thing. He was playing hard. Um, I think this is a case of how do you sit Max Klesman, though? Right. And normally I, I would agree with you on this. I, I thought Connors needed more minutes for the most part this year. I would have started him. I've talked about it. I was That's something I was wrong on with the way Klesman has played. I, that's another one. I should have just started that one. I was wrong on that one too. Um, I just don't think this was the game to to have Connor out there more. I agree with you. It's hard to take him out when he scored five points in a flurry. But with the way Klesman was playing and the type of defense he was playing, where else can Connor play? That That's part of the issue. You can't play him at small forward very much. Uh, he's going to get targeted there. He's not a good enough rebounder, and you can't play him at point. Potentially, you can move Max over to the point and then play Connor more at the two. Uh, maybe that's a solution, but then you're taking Hepburn out. It just felt like a game where it wasn't going to be an aging game because of how well Klesman was playing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I don't 
fully disagree with your point. Uh, I actually thought he had played more, so it is a good question. Uh, Rai J says, I wish we had come to play against Arizona. Even if we didn't win, if we had came ready to play, we would have at least gave them a game. That wasn't us. We were just cold, not ready, didn't believe. You know, the, the thing with the Arizona game that we probably didn't talk about enough or maybe I didn't talk about enough is Wisconsin was coming off a really tough three-game stretch, and Arizona had time to game plan, prep, prepare. The game was in Arizona. It was in Tucson. There was a lot going into that that was going to make that more difficult that we probably didn't talk about enough. I, I agree. I wish we had played them a little tougher. I still think that's a bad matchup for Wisconsin. I, it, the game, I think if you play a neutral site game or if the game's in Madison – the game's generally going to be much closer than what happened down there, but it, that still just feels like a bad matchup to me. I think they're more athletic across the board, and I think we struggle with their tempo. They can just they just run. They're thoroughbreds. So I don't know. I think your point is probably correct. I wish we would have came to play better. I still think it's a bad matchup. Ronjo says, Store still gets impatient when he doesn't score. I, I think so, but it's important to remember that he's a hyper-athletic wing who's a sophomore, right? This is a dude who – all the way up to his first year at St. John's would have been like the primary scoring option. I mean, he's used to jacking shots. He's used to being in AAU, AAU tournaments where they're giving him a ball and saying, go, go get yours. So I actually think it's pretty impressive. The ability he's shown to rein in his shots. If you remember the beginning of the year, I thought the shot selection was much worse. I think it's got tremendously better. Yes. He still gets a little patient in times, but that's because he's, he's a, a sophomore who's used to being a focal point on offense. And, when you get a guy like that, you're going to have to put up with a couple bad shots. But even some of those are he makes. He he's made some really tough shots. Um, you can think back to the the Northwestern game. He, there's that kind of like contested 15 footer uh, where he floated it in. I've actually been pretty good with his shot selection. I think it's shown a ton of growth and it's shown a ton of maturity. And again, that's also credit to Greg Gard for helping mesh all these pieces together. So I can't wait to see his next level because Store's got another level in there. This is from – I didn't see who this is from, but this is talking about the new offensive line coach, Blazik, um, and the fact that he's from Vanderbilt, the fact that he was at North Dakota State. A lot of fans maybe had some issues with that. They, they thought a higher pedigree hire was in order. And this comment is, what a lot of fans don't understand is there are genius coaches everywhere in the country. Unless you grow up with connections, most of the time you're going to have to slowly move up the ladder. I love this comment. So as some of you know or don't know, I did used to coach a little bit of basketball. I wish I could have continued on that journey, but um, – I had kids and it just got schedule wise too difficult, but I was coaching at the division three level on my year there. And there are brilliant coaches in D two in D three. I mean, like brilliant, incredibly talented coaches at those levels who will never see the light of division one because they got started late because they don't have a connection because they never played whatever it is. There are brilliant coaches everywhere and there's bad coaches everywhere too. There's brilliant coaches in D one and bad coaches in D one. Um, I would never discount a coach because he was at North Dakota State or Vanderbilt, just just from a broad sense. Now, you still have to look at the individual coaching accolades. And if you still don't like to hire, that's fine. But I wouldn't make it because he was at Vanderbilt. And I agree with this comment on that stance. Carnage says we need four and five star linemen. All of Michigan and Bama's guys are that, not two stars from Chippewa Falls. You just need good players. And linemen are tough to evaluate. You know, we've had a lot of four or five star linemen that haven't worked, you know, so I don't know. A lot of our a lot of our NFL guys were three star guys, and they just developed them. So I don't know. I don't know if you need a you need to recruit well. I think that's what I'd say. You need to recruit and evaluate really well. And sometimes that means a three star guy, right? Ryan Corey's a three star guy. I, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be a really really good player for Wisconsin. Um, Logan Brown was a five star guy. It didn't work out. You know, Nolan Rucci was a five star guy. It didn't work out. 
it, it's a mixed bag, man. Um, I hear you, though. You need better players. You need good talent. But I think the, on the offensive line, evaluating and coaching are more important than other spots. I think other spots, you need more pure talent. Ferb says, Waller and Tackett on the field are going to be peak fandom. They're going to be fun. Now, yeah, I will say this. I think you're probably going to get some, some mistakes for those guys, more so Tackett, or he makes a mistake running 100 miles an hour, and you're like, ah, oh, gosh, that's the wrong gap. But there's going to be some fun highlights. I'll tell you that. Bob Milborn says, let's not overhype this new coach. We have no idea how it works out in Madison. I would rather have great players than coaches. That's fair. I don't know if anybody's overhyping him or not. I like the hire. I like the background, but I don't know offensive line coaches, right? Like I'm very much in wait and see mode. I know other people are really high on this. I know some people have expressed doubts. I'm very much in wait and see mode. And I just, this is an important hire and I hope they nailed it because you can't continue to revolve the door uh, at any coaching spot, but especially at offensive line. So I hope they nailed it, but I don't think I'm overhyping it. Maybe other people are. NDB says last year I was out on guard. I love this comment. NDB said last year I was out on guard, couldn't stand him. I need to calm it down. He's going to assemble a great team this season. This shows a ton of maturity. Like, and this is one of the reasons I do, I, I do a show like this every, every once in a while where, Hey, I was wrong. You know, like you have to have the maturity to admit when you were wrong. And yeah, last year, a lot of people were out on guard. You got to, if you were at that spot, that's fine. That was an NIT team. That was an unacceptable Wisconsin team. Those are fair takes to some degree, but don't you have to now kind of come back and say, okay, I was right last. You can be right last year, but like, I got to reevaluate this a little bit because this team's a lot better and guard has done an incredible job this year. And I think you got to reevaluate a little bit. If you were dead set on guard being done, doesn't mean you have to say he's a great coach. Doesn't it? He's still, listen, it's still early in the big 10 season too. Let's be honest. Like things can change very quickly, but you got to be impressed with what he's done this year. You just have to be, they it navigated an incredibly tough schedule and they've done it with, with the plum. So yeah, I think it's a great comment, NDB. Uh, we're going to wrap it there. Really do appreciate everybody who made the comments, everybody who tunes in, everybody who watches, everybody in the community. Y'all are amazing, and I hope you have an incredible weekend. If you're a Packer fan, congratulations. We'll see you next weekend. Let's go Niners. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 